Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rockdale Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. What is going on, Posting Up fans? We are back with the Posting Up podcast. I know I had to move around a little bit. I'm standing up right now. Why is he in the killer den? What is going on? Is that what you like? <laughs> it looks like you do like murders in there. Like you bury people in there. That's this is scary. No, don't worry. I'm fine. Um, but <laughs> as I was saying, the, uh, <laughs> I can't stop laughing now. The, um, the finals are over. The draft is tomorrow. Some big trades going on, too, in the NBA. And the Olympics are going on. So we're going to cover all of that. But we are going to start with the draft. Um, Isaiah's team got a couple picks. I believe the Jazz have a pick at the end of the round. And the Sixers pick 28th. Isaiah, the Knicks, if, I get me, if I'm not wrong, have the 19th and the 21st pick. Yes. And then Jace, are the Jazz somewhere in the late 20s, 30s? 30, right at the end. 30, all right. And obviously, Sean um, is just a fan of the game, so he's going to be most excited for this draft probably. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Sean. Who Who's going to go number one? Is is it Cade Cunningham, or is it is it more open than that? 
Yeah, um, I saw a report that was surprising last week that uh, they they weren't one hundred percent set on Cade Cunningham, and I, I think they're just trying to probably uh, throw out a smoke screen out there just so teams think that uh, Cade Cunningham will still be available. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be him. Um, if not, I think Evan Mobley will be the only other one that is in consideration for the number one pick. But Cade Can- Cunningham is an amazing prospect. Obviously, you know, six eight, super skilled. Uh, he could play the point guard. He could finish at the rim. Uh, he's got to work on a shot a little bit, but. Uh, he, he's just a prospect that can't be missed. So I, I think for a Pistons, a rebuilding team, I, I definitely think that Cade Cunningham uh, should be the number one pick. Um, Isaiah, is there anyone that you're looking in particular for the Knicks to take here? Um, I know the uh, late teens, early 20s kind of is when talent is kind of a reach. I know there's been a lot of players recently who have been drafted in that spot and have been successful, but it's a reach. I mean – to be honest, anyone picked at any point in the draft could be a bust. You never know. I mean, the Cavaliers picking Anthony Bennett one overall certainly was a surprise back in 2013 uh, or 14, that was. Um, but, Isaiah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about your Knicks a little later on, but do you, what are you feeling about Cade Cunningham? Is it kind of just a, a one-player lock in there? Do you agree with Sean that it's more wide open? I think it's actually a one-player lock. I think Nike understands. I think that's why he got that big contract the other day. Uh, I guess Lucas will be back after he's done cutting up bodies. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's Kid Cunningham's um, spot to lose. I think he's been the lock all season. I think we've all known this. Like I said, Nike know it. That's why they gave him the big deal already. And I think he's a lock for that spot. Anything else would have to be a curveball. I, I couldn't see anything else happening. Honestly, I don't think any, I don't think Nike's easy the other way either. I think they're on the same page as me. I think he's the number one pick, bro. Uh, so, Jake, let's say Cade Cunningham does go number one to the Pistons. Obviously, other players involved, uh, like Sean was mentioning, got your Evan Mobley's, you got your Scotty Barnes, who's gonna, probably going to go top five. Is there a player in this draft that you think might not go number one overall, but who could end up being the best player in this class? Well, uh, I, I think Jalen Suggs, I, especially in, like, Right now he's floating at like four in a place with Toronto just filling in the shoes uh, with Kyle Lowry. I've also heard rumors that uh, Toronto might ship out Pascal Siakam with James Wiseman. So Jalen Suggs and James Wiseman in Toronto, that would be an awesome duo. And, and I think that would set the foundation for Toronto to fight back up to the top and get back to those title hopes that they had just a couple years ago. So uh, I think Jalen Suggs is the only other guy. I do think it's Cunningham. Evan Mobley, I think he'll be all right, but I don't think he's going to be like one of the best centers. I I think uh, Cade Cunningham can really take over this Detroit franchise right now and be the savior. And and I think Jalen Suggs has a, a lot of star potential too. The, those are the two guys that I think are going to be the real like superstars out of this draft. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned that duo there in Toronto, Jace. That could certainly be um, a great rebuilding block for the for the Raptors. Um, be great to see that happen, uh, Isaiah. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to you on your Knicks. Obviously, two picks uh, within you know such such close proximity of each other. Are you looking for the Knicks to take two players here? You think they'll trade a pick? Um, Anyone in particular you want the Knicks to take? 
I'm I'm hoping they're looking to package those picks and trade for Damian Lillard, but that's just me and being optimistic. But um, I don't think the Knicks are actually looking to do anything with those picks. They we've already heard that they tried to make a trade with the Warriors to move up. The Knicks have been looking to try to get into the lottery. That that move with the Warriors was then probably to take that pick and then swing one of the Knicks younger picks to move up into the top ten because that's really really what they're looking to get. But Outside of that, I, I don't think the Knicks are really looking for anyone in particular. I think there are players out there. Obviously, the Knicks could use a good solid shooter, a good spot-up shooter. That would be great. Um, obviously, you're going to need some help at center because you have Mitchell Robinson, obviously, on the last year his contract, and you don't know if you're going to be getting back Norland's Noel. So there's question marks there. So I think the Knicks have a lot of things to think about, but I do not believe they're actually looking to take those picks and use them. I think they're actually looking to package them and uh, bring in some actual help for the team. Chase, uh, with your Jazz there, uh, if you believe you said they were at number 30, um, you, you got your eyes on anyone in particular, or are you just looking for someone to um, kind of fill a role? No, uh, I'm just looking for more depth, anything really. I would like another uh, center, just another work better for a backup on uh, with Gobert than uh, Favors, because I think Favors can do a lot for the four for uh, Utah if he were ever put in that situation. But, um, no, uh, just the best available man. I think a guy like Ayo Dosunmu from Illinois, he, he was really, really good. Doesn't uh, struggle from three, still was able to put up points for Illinois. So I think that might be a good uh, guy to pick up. I think he can also have some floor general leadership skills at the point guard position. So that might be uh, – N- nice to like slowly come in after uh, M- Mike Conley and leave the second floor. Uh, I think he has some potential to do that. Other than that, I, I-, I don't know. I-, I just feel like the NBA draft nowadays is the lottery and then everything else. There's sometimes a diamond in the rough. Um. So, so Sean, I- I'll ask you this since you don't have really a rooting interest aside from a few of your favorite players here in the NBA. Is there someone outside of the top 10 or even outside of the lottery that, that you could see making an impact in this league, kind of being a sneaky good pick? Um, Yeah, I mean, I hate to go with my guy from UConn, but I, I think James Booknight, uh, <clears throat> I think he's built for the NBA game, just the way he can score uh, at all three levels. I, I think that, and especially if he goes to a team, like I'm looking at the list right now, if he goes to a team like New Orleans or Charlotte at 10 or 11, I think that he could be like a late lottery pick. And I think he can contribute right away for New Orleans. I mean, there's so much attention on Brennan Ingram and Zion. I think that he could definitely have a great scoring role right away. And then if he goes to Charlotte, I mean, he could he could play right alongside Lamelo and Terry Rozier, and they could have you know one of the better guard duos um, in the league. So I think James Booknight is is built for the NBA. I think that he struggled a little bit. Uh, at the end of last year, especially in that tournament game, but I, I think he's going to bounce back, and I think that he he could be a dark horse rookie of the year because he's he's got the ability to score twenty a game uh, in the NBA. So I'm definitely looking forward to my guy book night, and uh, I can't wait to see where he goes. Hope I, I believe that he will be a lottery pick, though. Yeah, nice. Actually, the next guy I was going to bring up. I mean, uh, this is a guy who's projected to go as high as sixth overall to the uh, um. I mean, I, I, I've seen mock drafts with Book Knight at, in the 20s. I've seen him, like I just said, top six. So, Jace, I'll ask you, you, you do you see Book Knight, like Sean uh, says, having an impact in this league, uh, especially right away? Uh, Sean said he could be a 
sneaky dark horse for rookie of the year. So do you see that being a possibility? Uh, I do think by the end of the next season, as the year draws to an end, as the season closes, he will start to make a name for himself. I do think it will take a little bit of time from the develop. And then also, I mean, that injury uh, last year, that could be problematic. With He could have another injury this rookie year. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I do like – I do think he – I have him going to OKC at six. I, I think he's going to be great. I'm excited to see what he can do if he can stay healthy. And I think him with uh, Shea Gildress-Alexander, that, that's a solid backcourt to build off of. Yeah, certainly. And um, Isaiah, I know you're not a UConn fan. You're not a Connecticut native like the rest of us. But um, – are you buying into the hype behind James Booknight, or you kind of see him being like a lower-end player in this league? Uh, for me, that's more you guys' territory. I don't follow UConn. Obviously, you guys know I'm a Notre Dame fan, and outside of Notre Dame basketball, I'm not really watching much. But uh, I hope he's everything you guys say he, be, he can be because you guys are giving him this this, this big old promotion y'all putting on for him. Uh, I didn't, like I said, yeah, I didn't right. get a chance to see him much. <laughs> uh, get, get the chance to see him play much, obviously. Notre Dame's been on the shitty side of basketball, so I don't watch much college basketball lately. So, like I said, I, I'll take you guys' word for it. I, I don't have, I don't watch much UConn. I don't watch Brook Knight at all. Again, when you're from New York and you have so many sport teams, sports, you know, to fit in UConn, time to watch UConn. That'll be a. It's not much on my list, you know. It's not many much space in my schedule to fit in UConn games. I'm sorry, guys. Well, Hate to break you guys' no, hearts. I don't blame you. Um, two baseball teams, two basketball teams, two football teams. It's very hard to fit in UConn. I'm sorry. <laughs> One thing I will ask you to do, Isaiah, is before tomorrow's draft, watch some James Booknight highlights. You won't be disappointed. Um, anyhow, we're going to talk about the trade that went down yesterday between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies next, but we're going to run you guys an ad from Clovercrest Media first. The Seattle management is going to give you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by overtime. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, LeBron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. So like I mentioned before the break, the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans uh, in trade yesterday. The Pelicans' main goal was to get rid of Eric Bledsoe's hefty contract. He did not play well last season. They end up acquiring Jonas Valanciunas from the uh, Toronto Grizzlies, from the Memphis Grizzlies, who was a fairly good player last year. Uh, a lot of pick-and-roll work with John Morant, so I could see a lot of that going on with Lonzo Ball. If they retain him, they certainly freed up them to do that. New Orleans did have to give up the 10th overall pick to Memphis. Uh, they did get the 17th overall pick back. Um, Sean, in my eyes, this trade's pretty even. Do you have a clear winner for this trade, or do you think it's kind of a, a kind of a win-win for both both teams? I think the Pelicans won this one. Um, one reason, like you said, getting rid of Eric Bledsoe's contract, I mean, uh, it was just for the year that he had, it, he does not deserve to get paid that much. He was so inefficient shooting-wise. Uh, he turned the ball over a lot, and he wasn't dependable down the stretch for a Pelicans team who was very young, and most of the young guys actually stepped up. It was it was more of the veterans that couldn't really get the job done. So I think that 
And then on top of that, Jonas Valanciunas, like you said, uh, I think that he's a better fit playing next to Zion. Uh, I think Zion and Steven Adams didn't really work out, especially because they're both clogging the paint most of the time. Jonas Valanciunas can stretch the floor a little bit more. Obviously, he's going to be in the paint, but uh, he's more of a shooter than Steven Adams is. He can he can stretch it out a little bit. So I think that it's just a better fit um, for the Pelicans, and I think getting rid of the Bledsoe contract was huge. So I think that, you know, Steven Adams will be – Fine with the Grizzlies. Hopefully, Eric Bledsoe can turn around. But I, I think, uh, in terms of this trade, I think the Pelicans won because it'll free up more of Zion. And uh, I, I think that Jonas Valanciunas will have success with New Orleans. So I, I think Pelicans came away with the the win on this one. Uh, Jason, agree with uh, Sean here on this, or do you think uh, you think more like me that it was kind of an even trade? Well, uh, right right now, I would lean a little bit more. Actually, no, I think it's even. I think Memphis, did they see someone they want at 10? Because that 10-11 pick swap was in there too. So I think they see someone at 10 uh, that they really like and they really want to get, and all this worked out. Uh, with the Eric Bledsoe being there now, they are very backcourt dominant. I think they need some help in the front court. I mean, uh, Jared Jackson is it? I mean – He's been injured. He's been great at times. I think you need another wing, and maybe they can get that. Maybe they can get that, like uh, uh, Franz Wagner from uh, Michigan. He's dropping. Uh, he'd be right around there. So, like, I, I think they need another uh, wing on that team to really complete it because, I mean, we saw how good they were. that the, They came out and smacked my Utah Jazz in the, in the mouth game one. So like they they have fight in them, they just need the they just need to gel together and they can compete. Yeah, I mean I, I agree. I think it was it was even. Um, Isaiah, you're gonna split the tie here, I guess. Uh, it's either gonna be three one or it's gonna be two two. So what are you rocking with? Was this an even trade or was it a, a win for a certain team? I think it's an even trade. I don't think it's a, a groundbreaking trade, earth-shattering trade. I don't think it'll make much of a difference later on. Like Jay said, maybe they had their eye on something at number 10 Memphis. But I, 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 this trade, like I said, is fairly even. I don't see how it – it doesn't tip the scale in any way, in my opinion. So I don't see it being more than an even trade. Either way, uh, like you said, it wasn't an earth-shattering trade. It commences the uh, official offseason uh, feeling here after the finals. Obviously, I think that trade won't go through until the offseason officially starts, and I think it's sometime after the draft. I could be wrong, though. Um, but we will run another ad for you guys, and then we're going to get into some Team USA Olympic basketball. The Cross and Wrestling Entertainment Podcast, presented by Clovercrest Media, is what UAW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. All right. So, like I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit of USA Olympic basketball. Um, guys, France. Came out and shocked us. Damian Lillard even came out and said that, you know, the NBA players who are on France and, you know, represent their international team, they just kind of play differently. Um, so USA certainly got, like Jay said, the Jazz did, got punched in the mouth right out of the game. Uh, they have to win. They had to have had to win one, excuse me, the last or final two games 
uh, Iran and Czech Republic. They got Iran done last night, 120-66. to 66. I mean, I stayed up and watched that game uh, with my, my girlfriend's brother. He is Iranian, and uh, he did not enjoy that one one bit, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, USA came out and made a statement. Um, they, you think the team is still capable of a gold medal? Yeah, I mean, the United States is the capital of basketball. I mean, they they should. But will, will they? I don't know. I mean, if you can struggle against Rudy Gobert and uh, Fournier, I mean, do you see what Luka did? In a medal game, him dropping 50, I mean, that, that, that'd be scary. And then, I mean, also uh, Australia, they, they got a boy Joey Inglewood, Joe Ingles. So. And Matisse. <laughs> Yeah, Matisse Thibel. So, I mean, it, it is interesting. It shouldn't be interesting. USA should stomp at everyone because that's what Olympic basketball is. It's USA and everyone else. And I, 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 this year doesn't feel that way. And I feel like we're going to get some good games, which is good for uh, for uh, the basketball lover in me, but for the Patriot in me. No, you, Team USA should be stomping everyone. I mean, Isaiah, um, yesterday was, you know, more of the usual. We usually see, um, like, you know, back in the day, beating Nigeria by 80 points. Um, we see that they took that personally in a preseason match or a pre-Olympic matchup exhibition. Being us. Um, I mean, we steamrolled Iran here, Czech Republic. I don't think it'll be much of an issue, but. It's the uh, going forward that worries me as a, as a USA basketball fan. You think there there's some challenges ahead of the road for this team? Because like I just said, it doesn't get any easier. Oh, yeah, I definitely do believe that. Just like they said in Rush Hour 3, the taxi driver, the Americans can't beat the Europeans no more in basketball. This is you, We, we got to realize that some of the biggest stars in the NBA today play in different countries. When you bring up the Giannis, when you think of Lucas, when you think of play, these, these Evan Fournier's, these players are players who play the top stars every day in this country, and then they go play for their country. They're not afraid. They're not afraid of anybody. They're not afraid of Kevin Durant. They played Kevin Durant, you know, 12 games a year. You know, so the U.S. has to come out with their A team, and they didn't bring the A team. I do not see the U.S. finishing with a gold medal in this. Even though basketball is our sport, I don't think the U.S. has bought the A team, and I think we have to realize that things aren't the same no more. These other teams, other countries are starting to catch up. Like I said, some of the best players in the NBA play in different play for different countries. So we, we got to start realizing that. Yeah. Um, Sean, do you agree with Isaiah? Do you think uh, the United States possibly has a chance that, you know, they finish over or bronze, not gold? Or do you think they're, they're gold all the way? I think they'll be fine. I, I think that they're going to end up winning gold. Um, I stayed up to watch the game last night, too, and it was much better than the first game. Um, obviously, they they came out real strong. They really couldn't miss from three-point, especially the first half. Uh, they looked a lot better defensively. They were uh, attacking Iran the whole time. And, you know, with France, the the loss, they their, their one big problem where they can get beat is that they don't really have big men to defend down low. Uh, Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green got overpowered by France and Rudy Gobert, Vincent Poirier. Uh, the other big dude, I don't know what his name is, number 93, though, for France. So I think that was really the problem. But they also couldn't 
they really weren't hitting their shots in the first game. Um, they blew a lead at the end of the game where they easily could have beat France, but they kind of just botched it at the end. So I, I think they'll be fine. And I, I think it's it's an adjustment to play uh, in the FIBA rules. Uh, there's a lot of different rules. The court is smaller. The three-point line is a little bit shorter. Um, there's a lot of funky rules. Like there's no goaltender you could tap uh, tap the ball off the rim. Uh, there's, so there, there's just a lot of different rules that I think it, it takes some time to get used to. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant are the only guys that have been to the Olympics before, and uh, this team is starting to gel together. So, And last night, they looked dominant. Obviously, Iran doesn't have uh, the same amount of talent that France does, but I, I think that they'll be fine. And like you said, they play the Czech Republic next. Um, I just Before we went on, I was watching them play France, and France was blowing them out. Um, they had a close game with uh, Iran, so I, I think that it's going to be a blowout again for that game. And I think from there that they're gonna they're gonna roll along. I think that if they play France again, they might get have some trouble or Spain or like you said Australia. But I think they'll be fine. I, I think that um, these guys looked a lot better last night. I, I think they're gonna t- continue to roll like that. Yeah, I mean, I think they certainly have a tough road ahead. There's some tough teams that we could run into, but uh, ultimately, you know, that's what we're used to is uh, USA gold medal. So that's all I'm expecting here. Uh, they pay. They pay. They play the Czech Republic at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I know that everyone on this podcast will be up bright and early watching that one. Um, That's what the record button is for. A little bit of a wacky schedule time-wise because they are so far away uh, across the uh, ocean there. So um, if you're up to catch that game, watch it. Obviously, the NBA draft tomorrow, I believe, at 8 p.m. So a lot of cool basketball stuff going on this week, guys. So. Make sure you're keeping up with that. We will probably be back uh, next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. We're going to try to just fit some shows, talk about off-seasons, obviously, when trades like the Pelicans-Grizzlies trades happen and, you know, events like the draft coming up. So uh, we'll be back um, probably next week and uh, earlier if another blockbuster trade goes down, depending on how the draft goes. So um, for Jason Garcia and Sean Scalen, this has been Lucas Bolduck in the Posting Up Podcast. Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men, and great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.